How does one deal with a stock market crash? You cry. You cry. In the late 1980s, the stock market crashed. And the Rebbe spoke about it at Fabringen. And he said that the Rambam tells us, Dina, the Malchusa Dina, that the law of the country is the law deals with money. And therefore, that becomes Torah. And therefore, we need to discuss it. What is the reason, said the Rebbe, that the stock market crashes from time to time? Is because Yerida, Tzedekhaliya, every descent is for a greater ascent. And God wants to give you more money, said the Rebbe. And therefore, in the DNA of creation, to go higher, you first go lower. And therefore, the purpose of giving more money to people, giving more money to Am Yisrael, giving more money to Noahides, to good people, to the nations of the world, is that they should give more tzedakah, more charity. That's the reason why God wants to give them more money. And therefore, you should know that this descent is only for a greater ascent. The concept of blessing, the concept of providing sustenance for the Jewish people and similarly for the rest of the world came from the shulchan, came from the table, the showbreads in the Beis HaMikdosh. Every Friday, the Kehanim would bake bread, 12 loaves of bread. Why 12 loaves of bread? One reason is because the 12 loaves of bread represent the 12 angels that surround God's Kisei kavod, God's holy cheer. And there in heaven, around God's throne, you have 12 angels, alluding to four different camps, which alludes and mirrors the four camps of Am Yisrael, the Jewish people. The Eben Ezra says simply, the 12 chalos, the 12 breads, allude to the 12 tribes. The Balotunim says the 12 loaves allude to the 12 mazolot, the 12 levels of mazol that continue to circulate throughout the 24 hours of the day and bring blessing to the world. And that's why each of the chalis, as it says here in the Torah, were shneis reinim. They were two-tenths, because altogether alluding to 24, alluding to the 24 hours a day. The 24 hours a day, the table was sustaining the world with these blessings. And it was giving blessings to the 12 tribes of Israel and from there to the rest of the world. An interesting note, there are people till today, every Shabbos, because of this, to remember the Lechem Aparim, to remember the showbreads, they have two chalas, Lechem Mishnah. And each of these chalas, two chalas, allude to the two stacks. And each of these chalas have six braids, a six-braided chala. Because each stack had six chalot. So now you have every Friday night on your table the Lechem Mishnah, these double breads, these two breads, alluding to the Lechem Aponim. And just like the Lechem Aponim was the source of blessing for the entire world, the entire Jewish people, 
Shabbos says the Zohar, my name is Baruch Kuliyoyimin, on the Shabbos, Shabbos blesses the entire week. These two breads on Shabbos also bring sustenance and support and livelihood for the entire week. The next verse goes on to say you are to make two stacks. Shtayim Marochis. Two stacks. Sheish Marochis. And you shall place it on the pure table. Before God. What is the concept here of six in each stack? And what is the concept here of the pure table. Here too the commentaries tell us the six chalas in each stack allude to the six days of creation. That these stacks, number one, are a remembrance that God created the world in six days. And furthermore, it brings livelihood to the six work days. Six days a week shall we work. On the seventh day we shall we rest. The day of rest, Shabbos, blesses the six days of the week. But this really only explains why one of the stacks were six. Why does the other stack also have six? And the reason is that the six represent the sixth day of the month of Sivan, when God gave us the Torah. God gave us the Torah on the sixth day of the month. And therefore, the six days of creation allude to the sixth day of the month of Sivan. In other words, God made a covenant with creation. God made a deal with the world. And he said, if the Jewish people will accept the Torah on the sixth day of Sivan, and they will say, we will do and we will listen, then the world will continue. Then the world will exist. Then the world will be in a state of sanity and peace and harmony. But if the Jewish people will not accept the Torah on the sixth day of Sivan, then the entire world will return to chaos war and destruction. And these two stacks were placed on the holy table. Why holy table? So first of all, Rashi tells us, because even though it was made out of wood, it was covered with gold, pure gold, zav tar. So therefore, the pure table alludes to pure gold. Another interpretation is, that it had to be directly upon the table. Nothing separated the two chalas of the stack from the table itself. Even though between each chala and the next chala, there were three half pipes that allowed air to go through and create a separation between the two chalas. However, between the first chala and the table, there was no separation. It had to be pure, a pure connection. No severing, no separation. Another interpretation is found in the Gemara of Yuma, and that is, there's a question. On one hand, the Torah says it has to be a pure table. If it's pure, anything which is pure can be impure. Holiness means it could be unholy. So the fact that the Torah says it has to be a pure table implies that it could also be impure. Comes the question to mind, asked the Gemara. We know, according to Jewish law, that a wooden table that is made lenaches, which is meant to stay static and not be moved around, 
is not mekabal tumah, does not receive impurity. So why is it that this table should receive impurity? So listen very carefully to what the Gemara says. Says the Gemara that when the Jewish people came up to the Holy Temple three times a year on the pilgrimage, on Pesach, Shavuos, and Sukkot, the Kohanim would lift up this table of showbreds and they would show the Jewish people, look how much you are beloved by God. Because you were able to see the smoke come out of the challah, come out of the showbreds the entire week. The same way it was taken out of the oven, that same temperature, that same warmth, that same freshness remained the entire week until they ate the challah. So the challah was baked on Friday afternoon. On Shabbos, they took the challah and they put it onto the table. And they took off last week's challah. Last week's challah was then divided between the kohanim that were leaving and the kohanim that were coming in. Because the kohanim were divided into 24 different groups. And each set of kohanim served for one week. So on Shabbos, both groups were there. And they fabrained together. They celebrated together. But already after Shabbos, the group left. So really, you were there for two Shabbatot. You came right before Shabbos, and you left the next Shabbos. So the Shabbos that you were leaving, you now get six breads. Half actually go to the high priest, and three go to the group that are leaving. And they eat a little piece of that delicious, holy, pure, fresh, hot challah. And the group that just came in now, they get also the six. They divide three to the high priest and three for themselves. And again, each one gets a little piece of that delicious challah. It's not about quantity, it's about quality. You ever have that, that delicious piece of challah, that delicious piece of cake, that delicious fresh Danish, one little taste in your mouth, you remember it for life? It's not about eating ten Danishes. It's that one piece of, ah, mechaya. That piece of challah was eternal. So, says the Gemara, because they lifted up the table and moved it around, now theoretically it's no longer a table that is static. It's a table that moves. It could become impure. And therefore you had to make sure that at all times, this table was tar, it was a pure table. That's why the Torah tells us, you had to place the challah on the pure table. The next pasuk goes on and says, you shall place on the table or on the piles or stacks two spoons or two bowls of frankincense. Why? It shall be before God a remembrance for the bread. In other words, every time you offered a sacrifice or, or a mincha, which is a meal offering of flour to God, even though the kohanim and the, and the balabatim, those that owned it and brought it, would also eat a piece of meat or a piece of bread from these offerings, part of it was put onto the altar. And you had a shared meal. God got some, the kohanim got some, and the bringer, the owner, Received some. Here, of the 12 breads, nothing goes onto the altar. God gets nothing. 
So how does God now become a partner with this showbread? The answer is you give God the frankincense. So this was a remembrance. God should remember the breads and therefore what? Bless the Jewish people and bless the entire world with livelihood that the stock market should go up. People should make a lot of money in their business and live a healthy and happy and a beautiful life. So this is the concept of bringing the frankincense. So once the frankincense was put on the altar, it was a remembrance above. And now God brought down blessing down below. And this was done when? This was done on Shabbos. On Shabbos, you would bring the frankincense onto the altar. And this would be a blessing. Why Shabbos? And what is the meaning here of showbreads? Lechem him. Why is it called showbreads? What's the concept behind this? And what is the meaning constantly before God? In verse number 8. Shabbos is a day of intimacy. According to Jewish law, this is a day of intimacy. It's not only intimacy between husband and wife, it's also a day of intimacy between man and God. And this intimacy that takes place on Shabbos needs to last the entire week. It's a lechem upon it. The breads were bent upward that now they saw each other face to face. Face to face, that love needs to remain tummed constantly. And therefore the breads were always on the altar. There's no such thing as I love you today, I don't love you tomorrow. The love needs to be constant. And therefore, when the new breads were placed on the table, you had Kohanim taking off the old breads, and as they were being sliding off the table, the new breads were slided onto the table. There was never a moment that the table was without the breads. Because this face-to-face love needs to be constant. Now, the word lechem, the root of lechem is cham, hat. Bread is hot. Face to face needs to be hot. There needs to be passion. For there to be love, there needs to be passion. These showbreads were constantly looking face to face, showing the passion, the love, from God to His people, from His people to God. Constantly. And this heat, this love, this passion produced money. It produced sustenance. When you love somebody, you want to support that person. God loves the Jewish people, He loves the world, He loves humankind, He produces and He provides for sustenance and for money and for livelihood and for all material wealth and pleasures in the world. And this idea of taking these two stacks represents the two chalets Friday night, which are Lechem Minashamayim and Lechem Minaritz. In the desert for 40 years, there was man. That was lechem and hashamayim, food from heaven. Now, in the daily world, we have to work for our bread. It's called lechem and aritz. But by bringing these two breads together, we are bringing the miracle of lechem and hashamayim, the manna that came from heaven, free by God daily. And we connected this with lechem and aritz, the bread of the earth that we have to work for which makes our livelihood miraculous. The Rebbe Marash already said that we are living in a generation 
that our food is provided from heaven. It's lechem min hashamayim. Now, if you think about it, years ago, you wanted a piece of bread, you had to go out into the field. You had to cut the wheat. You had to then bring it home. You had to grind it. Then you had to sit and knead the bread every single day for hours and hours. We were working for one little piece of challah, one little piece of bread. Today is provided for. We have so much free time. And today to work and earn and make money is Baruch Hashem easier generally than it was years ago. It's lechem min hashemayim. It's bread from heaven. Where do we get the blessing from? By taking these two challahs Friday night and bringing them together. That our physical bread should come from heaven. And this was provided already in the holy temple. In the Shulchan, says God, Tomit constantly, even today when there's no temple. Chok Olam, an eternal covenant. For all generations, we are still getting that blessing. How? When we take the two challahs Friday night and Shabbos afternoon, and we put it together. We are now once again connecting, making God remember the frankincense that we put onto the altar every Shabbos. But how do we reignite this blessing? How do we reignite this love? <clears throat> it's through Cham. You have to be hot. You have to be passionate. You have to be passionate when you dive in, when you pray every day. You have to be passionate when you study Torah every day. You have to be passionate when you do a mitzvah for your friend, for a Jew. Don't do it reluctantly, okay? He asked me to borrow, lend. He asked me to do this for him, but I'm going to make sure for the rest of his life he remembers I did him a favor. It has to be done with cham, it has to be done with love. Sensitivity. Selflessness. This is the way we create the cham. This is the way we create God's heat, God's passion back for us. And that's why the word lechem, bread, equals 78, the gematria, which is the same as mazla, which is mazl, luck. To awaken the luck, the mazl tov, the good luck, which mazl literally means to drip down God's blessing, to pour down God's blessing. We need to have the heat. We need to be passionate about life. Passionate about God, passionate about Torah, passionate about mitzvahs. And this is really Kodesh Kedoshim, it's the Holy of Holies. Why is the Holy of Holies? It's the Holy of Holies because in truth we don't really understand the mystery. And we don't really understand the secret. And we don't really understand the power of the showbreads. As the Rebbe once said, that the true understanding of the Lechem Aponim, of the showbreads, will only be revealed when Mashiach comes. <clears throat> and so this is, this is the power of the reading of the Lechem Aponim at this time between Pesach and Shavuos. And we just finished with the Matzah of Passover and we are about to eat the matzah of the second Pesach again lechem again the bread and then we deal with the the mitzvah of bringing the omer the barley that was cut on the second day of Passover that we count now for 49 days the counting of the omer then again there was a special mincha a sacrifice that was brought with bread 
in the Holy Temple. And then again at Shavuot, the holiday of Shavuot, we bring again the two breads. It's a time of bread. Bread means money. Where's the bread? Where's the dough? Bread is money. It's a time that God provides for us and wants to provide for us all of this bread. And therefore, even though you see on one time how the stock market is falling, and you say, God, where's the bread? Where's the dough? This is all part of God's bigger plan to provide us with more lechem, more bread, and to make sure that the bread is lechem upon him face to face, that the love and the passion is constantly there, tummied at all times, not only in Shabbos, not only in the time of the Beis Amikdash, but even today, but we don't see physically with our own eyes the Holy Temple. So we hope and pray that we will see the lechem upon him. We will see this great love that we have for Almighty God and Almighty God has for us. And God will bring us the third holy temple and bring about the coming of Mashiach very speedily in our days. I just want to end with a quick story, a very powerful story. And the story goes like this. There was a woman by the name of Mrs. Spitzer. And for 10 years, she had no children. And finally, finally, after 10 years of marriage, she is blessed with queen tuplets. Five children to make up for the last 10 years. You can well imagine from zero to five in five minutes, that's pretty quick. It's a life-changing moment. And the husband and wife were busy feeding and diapering and bathing these children. The father was still learning in the kolel. And you could well imagine there wasn't too much money to support these children. However, there was a wealthy woman on the block by the name of Mrs. Gordon. And she heard about how this wonderful family finally gave birth after so many years to children. And there was no money to support these children, she said, I would like to participate and to help support this family. And she began to send money every week to pay for the diapers and to pay for the food and to pay for the, for the service because they needed a nurse during the day and a nurse at night to help with these five children. One day, Mrs. Gordon sent a message she would like to visit the home and see the children. Mrs. Spitzer was very excited on one hand. On the other hand, between feeding five children, she quickly put on a shaitel backwards forwards on her head, and she pulled out a piece of frozen cake from the freezer, put it into the microwave, made a coffee, put it on the table. And a few moments later, Mrs. Gordon walks into the front door. As she walks into the hall, about to walk into the kitchen, she sees a picture of a woman on the wall. She looks at that picture, she becomes oozy, she feels faint, and she falls to the ground. Mrs. Spitzer right away calls 911, picks her up, wakes her up. They bring her to the hospital. And the next day, Mrs. Spitzer visits her in the hospital. Mrs. Gordon is all excited to see Mrs. Spitzer, Baruch Hashem, she's okay. It wasn't, it wasn't a heart attack, it was only a faint. And Mrs. Gordon asks Mrs. Spitzer, tell me, who was that woman in the picture? 
that woman in the picture, in the hallway. Well, obviously, that was my mother. Your mother? Your mother saved my life. My mother saved your life? What are you talking about? Mrs. Gordy began to proceed and said, I was in Bergen-Belsen. Me and four other girls, a total of five girls, we were very frum, we were very religious. And we made a resolution that even though we were there in a camp, we would do whatever we could to keep the mitzvot of the Torah. Hanukkah was around the corner. And we wanted to do something for Hanukkah. What are we going to do? So every day we would take a small piece of margarine and put it away and save it so that we can light the candles on Hanukkah. We pulled out a little piece of our material from our pajamas that we wore all day and to use that as wicks. But we needed something like a keli, a vessel, to put the margarine into. We decided that the best thing would be potato peels. But where are we going to find potato peels? We had no potato peels. But we knew that in the kitchen there must be a few potatoes. Now, every night the guard left the kitchen 12 o'clock. From 12 to 12.05 until the next guard took over, there was a five-minute period, grace period, where there was nobody there. We decided all five of us are going to go. We're going to raid the kitchen, get those potatoes, and we're going to have what to use for a vessel for our menorah. Unfortunately, we all got caught. And the Nazis told us, tomorrow we are going to hang all of you, all five of you in front of the entire camp. We knew it was our last night, the first night of Hanukkah. And we came to terms with it. We were ready to prepare to give our life for Almighty God. We did not regret trying to do a mitzvah. But on the other hand... We knew our fate. However, there was one last hope. There was a Jewish woman, a girl, who was very bright, knew many languages. And the Nazis would use her as their secretary to interpret the various radio programs to hear what the other countries were saying. And we thought maybe she had a lot of pull. Maybe she could save us. So she slept in a separate bunker with her own bed alone. And so we went to her bunker in the middle of the night and we looked inside and she was not in her bed. But we heard sounds, we heard noise, we heard music. We followed the music and we found her singing most sore in the middle of the night lighting her menorah. We were so excited. We said to her, wow, you too are lighting a menorah. She began to scream at us, what are you doing here? You shouldn't be here. You must leave immediately. And we told her, that we were caught and tomorrow we were going to die and we wanted her to use her pull to use her clout to save our life and she screamed at us and said don't ever come here again and get away from here we knew it was over and the next morning the camp was called together there were five chairs on a stage a big heavy rope and each one of us stood on the chair and they put the rope around their neck and we began to say, Shema Yisrael, Hashem Lekeinu, Hashem Echod. And I was waiting, I closed my eyes, I was waiting for the guard to kick out the chair from underneath me. And all of a sudden, this secretary, who we saw the night before, comes running up, and she starts moving with her hand, and starts screaming. I have no idea what they said. The guards were all upset, and they were screaming back and forth. And they went like this, and they took the noose off our necks. 
and we came down. And a short while later, the British came in and rescued us from Bergen-Belsen. I never said thank you to that woman. But that woman was in the picture. That woman was your mother. She saved my life. And then Mrs. Spitzer said, now I understand my dream. Your dream? What kind of dream? The night before I gave birth, my mother came to me in a dream and she said to me, five for five. Five for five. I know I said, Mama, what are you talking about? And she disappeared. Now I understand. My mother saved five lives. And God blessed her with five granddaughters. Five grandchildren. Five for five. And this is lechem aponim. This is face to face. When you do for others, God does back for you. Five for five. You provide, you give life, and God will give us five for five. Lechem haponim. Face to face.